Welcome back, humanoids, to episode 59 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, Most Shocking Heel Turns. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, that booger-eating moron from Kentucky, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Melvin, your zipper's down. <laughs> and that bottle of signals about to fly out of your back pocket, so get on your bicycle and get your ass home, you old drunk. Oh. Booger-eating moron. All right, I like that. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I figured with his zippers down. Yeah. Well, I figured I'd go ahead and just roll right into the episode. You know. You might as well, yeah. man. Um, I, yeah, because I don't think he's one of us had a shout out this week, dude. I, I so, don't. Hell, I don't think here. we do. I don't. Well, you know what? I I, I I just changed my mind. I do. Um, I have a shout out to the internet wrestling community, and I can tell we're talking wrestling on the internet because all I see is a bunch of morons in the crowd. So. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> then, I wish the professor had come back. At uh, I wish Jeremy, Silver Scorpion, someone fucking tag in because you're doing nothing but being a fucking heel already, man. Shocking, Damn isn't you. it? Shocking. What's the deal? What is your deal? Well, oh, you're a shocking heel. Yes, okay. a shocking heel. <laughs> well, that's the deal. Is where this week right we're, we're talking about most shocking heel turns in all of wrestling history. I know, but I'd expect you to turn on me on my own fucking broadcast. That well, is shocking. You know, <laughs> I, I, I went back and I watched that video that time you cut that heel promo, and yeah. I figured I had to try to outdo that if I'm going to be the heel commentator this week. There you go. Well, that was a good one to, that to was. try to do, man. I'll tell you. That was a good I, I, one. I tore it up. For that one. Thank you. And yeah. you're turning up today, damn it. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad to contribute what I can. Oh. Well, I'm going to tell you, let's do this real quickly. Uh, we don't have any, there's your, there's your intro, pe- intro people right there. Jeremy's a heel. Uh, I, I don't think he's trying to be. I think he just is a heel prick. Anyway, we don't have no shout outs. So I'm going to say this. A lot of his, when it's most shocking heel turns, uh, go to the YouTube channel. We have tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. And I'm sure at some point, Tex will get to these and uh, Tex will get these up on a video. Tex, give me a shout out. Out. So there you go, because we want you to go to uh, YouTube. You can find a lot of these uh, shocking heel turns. But if you go to tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video, you can see all the hot chicks that we've done. Very uh, Be My Valentine, very uh, respectfully. Uh, we did uh, announcers. We did uh, most legitimate badasses. And the list that's going up right now are football players that become professional wrestlers. Again, that's tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. I put that in there right now because a lot of what we're going to talk about today you can find on video uh, on YouTube. But eventually you're going to be able to find ours on YouTube as well. And I can't wait for that because this should be a really another fun, exciting uh, podcast. Jeremy. Yeah, I think now I'm I back think this white, you don't swap me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think no, I think this one will be a very fun one. Um, you know, I don't know if we want to cover a couple things real quick, but I think the NWA is still going really well. Yes, I think so. Uh, uh, also, turns out New Japan Pro is opening an American uh, subsidiary now. Yes, I heard that. So that, I mean, we went from only having the WWF to having all sorts of mainstream options in less than a month. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, you said last sorry, week, WWE, great time to be a professional yeah. wrestling fan. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is probably, probably the funnest it has been, the most varied and interesting it's been since the seventies, at least the eighties. There you go. Yeah, I think so. I watched NWA Pro, um, a little bit, a little bit different this week. I wasn't let down. I'll say that. You know, I'm not disappointed. I'm not going to sit here and shit on a product after three episodes. I'm, no. I'm still excited for it. It was just a bit weird, uh, but it was good, you know, and I'm going to, uh, if uh, everything goes as planned, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there at 6.05 this Tuesday watching it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hear a whole lot about the AWA this week. I, I didn't, and I didn't watch NXT or anything like that. So, but I do know, uh, I read, I think you or Tex one sent me the thing about New Japan open up New Japan America. So that's, again, that's just something new for us. I think they, they were on Axis anyway, if I'm not mistaken. At some point, New Japan Pro Wrestling was. Yes, they were. So maybe they'll get some more, you know, more programming out there. I don't know, but it, hell, like I said, it's just a good time to be a pro wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. And I did discover, and I was happy to discover because at first I was worried this wouldn't be the case if you work for aew even if you're under contract you can still go wrestle in the indies i kind of thought that i wasn't yeah. sure okay so, 
I wasn't I, sure how they worked at. Was I was afraid of just another company coming along and locking up talent, and that was that, you know. And yeah. that's not what they did. Obviously, the NWA is wide open. You can, yeah. even if you're one of their champions, you can go wrestle wherever you want. Yeah, that's one of the things I think you had told me earlier on about you turned me on to the uh, California Championship Wrestling out there from Hollywood. Yeah. And you was telling me that at the time, the current champ, Nick Aldis, was uh, going to Ring of Honor even, does some things like that. So I, I like that they kind of have an open-door policy. They can come and go. And, of course, obviously, if anyone get booked there, more power to you. I think, pun intended, more power to you to get booked with NWA power. Yep, that's power with they, three they send, R's. Yes, they send out that talent. I'm glad, you know. Just more exposure for, for their champions. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's a good way to do it. I think it's great. I did notice a lot of guys from uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood on the NWA show in the last two weeks. Okay, cool. Which I thought was cool because that means those guys are getting there. I and mean, I believe the Marquezes who run Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Championship Wrestling from Arizona, I think they're doing a lot of the production on the NWA. Okay. And then my little brother, who sometimes actually has some good gossip, he told me that the plan is eventually for the NWA to open affiliates again. I don't know how true that is, but it might be cool to see. I think it'd be very cool to see if they yeah. did it. That that would that would be good. I think it'd be good for business. And then if you just had that that one product that comes out on TV or in this case, you know, YouTube, I think they do it on Facebook as well. That just builds up the excitement, man. And, and maybe they'll do a two-hour program. And I don't think this is just my opinion. I don't think unless it's a pay-per-view. You do not need over two hours. No. I think I think the hour is great. I'm just saying if, if they do it, it would be a back-to-back hour like the old time when they did it on TBS originally because you could get the affiliates out there. It could be a completely different, you know, the, the top guys could come in for the studio wrestling, I guess is what I'm getting at. Then they can go back out and work for their local, oh, hell, regional territory. That'd be, you know, that'd be the, that'd be the ideal way because like you're saying, you're seeing guys from championship wrestling from Hollywood. You're already seeing them on that national level now and that, that'd be great if they do that yeah that'd be fantastic um, i'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing that you know and right now bobby i think i'm actually happy to have hour-long shows right now because yes that three four hours on a show or whatever whatever they're doing it's just too damn long you know and, i agree and now especially with so much varied entertainment out there okay so tuesday night now you have impact you have nwa and you have aew dark which goes straight to right. youtube as well Okay, that's three shows, three hours. Okay, if any one of those guys goes to two or three hours, next thing you know, you're at five, six hours. Mm-hmm. That's too much for a night. You know, we got to go to work. You know, you and I got to, you know, write, edit, and produce a show. We got other stuff to do, but we still want to enjoy this entertainment, you know. So I yeah. think an hour is perfect. I do, too. I do, too. I, I don't know that I want more than that. Yeah. I was just saying if they did it, that would be the way where the, where the guys, if they went out to the different areas and then come in just for the TV studio taping, that might be a reason to add the second hour if they needed to talent oh, yeah. well, and, but and if you have a need to. I like the one hour. Yeah, if there yeah. was an, if there were a need. But I'm happy with the one hour, and that's, that's plenty for me. And I think a lot of our fans will agree that's what they like, you know. So the one thing, the one point I'll make, and then we can start rolling. If yeah. they're editing for content, I don't care how long the show is. If they're editing to meet a time period, then I do. If they're stretching to hit an hour and a half, two hours, it's too much. Yeah. If now, I got, think that's kind mm-hmm. of what happened this week. What? And I think they edited towards just the content of the show. I think it was only about 45, 48 minutes, something like that. Yeah, that's how it I felt. Think I, and I was like, that's I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I didn't feel cheated. I didn't get a full hour, but I felt like I got a damn good wrestling show during that hour. And like, like I said, I think it was around 45 to 50 minutes, but I was happy with that instead of stretching out something that they may have already taped or trying to get that content in there that doesn't necessarily need to be on that, that hour, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, stretching it out, like you said. So I, I'm, I'm glad with I'm happy for it. Um, but like you say, you go into that second hour, you're really trying to stretch for content, but then you got someone rambling on like I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, like you and I have talked about how WCW or WCCW would do a show with like six or eight guys, you know? Yeah. And they would, they would manage to fill a show, but you could tell if they tried to get one more match in there, well, now you guys have pushed it just a little too far, you know? Yeah. You know, these guys have already come out for a captain's match, a tag match, a title match, an under a hood match, a dark match. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That being said, Bobby, let's talk real quick about honorable mentions as far as shocking heel turns go. Okay. I know you probably got at least a couple. You want me to give you mine? I only have one. Yeah. Let's go with yours. 
Okay, my first one is just going to be, I sent this on a message. I, I think it was Tex sent it to us. He had a couple on there, and this is one I was going to use. I wasn't going to use I don't know if he had it as a top ten. We just kind of played around some ideas this week. It came really quick. You had a great topic, by the way, when you said shocking heel turns. I was like, let me think for a second. I was like all in right away. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a good one, man. This was the um, when Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty through the, uh, the glass window there at the barbershop, if you will, uh, whatever that. I guess they was on that show together. I'm not sure how that worked. I didn't go back and research this one, guys. A lot of these, again, the way I do them, I come off the top of my head first, then I start asking someone or I text back to uh, Jeremy. It usually we get back and forth on a couple responses. And again, this week, text had this one. I was like, yes, my honorable mention. So Sean Michael, those are rockers, you know, tremendous tag team back in the day. Both of them really good, athletic, good looking guys, complete baby faces over as can be. And then, um, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, super kick Marty Jannetty through yeah. the plate glass window there. And that, that's just my, that's my honorable mention. As you can tell, I'm just going off the top of my memory on that there. So, um, that was mine. What do you got? Want to hit that? Can you elaborate? Yeah, please. Yeah, that was, that was shock. That was shocking to me in a couple of ways because I started watching Jannetty as a singles wrestler in AWA. Okay. And I remember when they brought Shawn Michaels in and formed the Midnight Rockers, which was, you know, they're trying to capitalize on both the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. I was a huge Judas Priest fan, and they came out to Living After Midnight, which was oh, awesome. Right on. Yeah. And then I remember when they won the titles from uh, Playboy Buddy Rose, and oh, God damn, I can't think of the other guy's name. Wasn't Doug Summers, was it? Doug Summers, yeah. And they were managed no. by. Okay. They were managed by Sensational Sherry Martell. Okay. So when they came over to the WWF and then, you know, Shawn Michaels flipped and then, you know, Scary Sherry became his manager. Yeah. I was like, you know, and here's the thing. Most WWF fans will not even know what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember that as a kid watching that and just being like, holy shit. Yeah. That was a good one. No, that was that was that was a fun one. Yeah, mine. I've got a couple I'm going to go with here. This one may not be shocking because I can't remember the full the full story behind it. But when Henning and Bockwinkel's uh, series for the world title in the AWA started, they were both basically faces. And then at some point, Zabisco, that dastardly heel, Larry Zabisco, <laughs> got in Kurt Henning's ear and gave him a uh, fist pack. And that's when uh, Henning landed a knockout punch on Bockwinkel and won the title. That one was shocking for me because, you know, like I said, for me, Kurt Henning was Scott Hall's tag team partner and, you know, they yeah, were good guys. Yeah. And yeah. Well, Other, ask you this, did mm-hmm. you, oh, sorry. No, I, no, did no. you think, did, I was just going to say, did you think Bachwinkle was going to turn eventually in that feud or anything or because he had worked with a heel before or just because you was just shocked because, like you said, it was, it was actually Henning that turned. Yeah, I was shocked because it was Henning that turned. I okay. could see, I mean, Bachwinkle, he could go back and forth. You wouldn't have been a shock. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have been, been a shocked, shock. Okay. yeah. But they were trying to set up a younger guy, and, you know, and they did it by, you know, and also because Zabisco was such a shithead in the AWA (laughs) for Henning to side with him, you know. And it also made me wonder, like, well, what the fuck angle is Zabisco working trying to get Henning to do his dirty work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, that kept your interest, man. That's good. Oh, yeah. What was your other one? My other one is when Rocky Maivia joined the Nation of Domination. He went from you can never smile too much to The Rock. And that was a, it was shocking because it was almost the WWF admitting what they were doing wasn't working, which those guys doubled down on everything. Yeah. But also for such a loser character to suddenly turn around like that was shocking. Yeah, that's a good one, man. And it does get bigger than that on these shocking turns, we'll say that. Yes. Uh, But that is a very, very good one, just to be on a fucking honorable mention list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, those are three good ones right there, man. Um, Hit us up on uh, Twitter, me at BobbyBlaze744, Jeremy at the Geekish Cast, or the joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. And uh, if you want to use the hashtag BBBB, you can. If not, that's fine. To just let us know what you think about our honorable mentions, and then we're going to uh, jump into our top ten in just a couple of seconds here. Always, that's where I do most of my interaction at. And I know up there on the YouTube, the tinyurl.com backslash BBBB at channel video is doing really good. So keep uh, telling people about it. Hit the like button. Uh, 
comment and subscribe. So do that for us because uh, uh, your your input on this, man, your feedback, we appreciate it very much. It helps us uh, sometimes get the very good topics when people write in about, you know, hey, what about this? What about that? Oh, yeah. Jeremy, I'll mention something real quickly here. We're both on Fiverr. Yes. Um, I just purchased a Surface uh, from Jeremy, folks, uh, just a couple weeks ago. he done a tremendous job because you hear his voice on his program every week. And he's got a great, great voice. And he done about a 30-second promo for um, one of my books, which we'll mention here in just a minute or somewhere in the podcast. I'm sure we'll get to it. But this is, uh, if you go to Fiverr, it's tinyurl.com backslash bbfiverr. And what you can do on there, you can get any service for about $5. That's a starting rate. Jeremy does a voiceover. I do uh, event marketing any kind of wrestling event, if you will, a business. If you just want to get your tweet noticed by more people, what I do is I give you about six tweets over about a two-day period, and I'll plug. I, I plug right now. I'm plugging a lot of podcasts. Believe it or not, I had uh, several other podcasts get a hold of me and say, "Hey, you know, here's five dollars. Do this for me." And what I do is I tweet out their podcast. I'll say, "Check out this podcast." Some of them are just up and come. Some of them are very established. But the uh, I use Fiverr to do that, and Jeremy's been getting some work. He's going to give you uh, our direct accounts in just a second. But it's tinyurl.com backslash BB Fiverr. And if you go that away, the program gets a little bit of kickback from it, and we'd be appreciative of that because we put it back towards the co-hosting fees. Jeremy, tell them our uh, links with Fiverr if you don't care. If you want to hire Bobby to do some marketing for you, you can go to fiverr.com slash bobbyblaze744. He will uh, tweet out your whatever your message is, as long as it's reasonable, not political, and isn't a shit-disturbing kind of thing. Right. Uh, he will tweet that out over a couple-day period. It will get your... It will get your tweet in front of uh, at least 150,000 eyeballs that you're probably not accessing now. If you want to hire me to do a voiceover, say an intro for your podcast, a quick promo for one of your products that you're doing, you can go ahead, go to fiverr.com slash Jeremy Vilmer, and you can hire me right there. So, Bobby, with that being said, let's get rolling. You got it, man. Let's go with number 10. We're going to go all the way back to 1980 with the uh, Ole versus Dusty. Okay, that angle right there, way back in the day, Jeremy, that almost, I wanted to put that in at number 10, and we all agreed on that, because Mm -hmm. it was shocking, but we kind of saw it coming, but we didn't, because everyone bought into Ole's promos over that whole year of time about my good buddy Dusty Rhodes, you know, and he just just kept suckering him. It played out so long, and then when it finally happens, man, you you just, it was like, deep down, you like knew it. You knew that bastard was going to turn, you know, so uh, again, Ole Anderson versus Dusty Rhodes, we kind of set it up with that to give us kind of a starting place. What, just uh, something used that word bastardly earlier. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, this played out over a year's period. I mean, you talk about build up and build up, man. And then to get that guy in a cage, to trust the other man enough to get into a cage with them, then now you got him. It's not to keep anyone uh, from getting out of it. It's to keep people getting in it because I'm going to kick your ass because I'm going to turn on you in that cage. Yep. So, well, anyway. going going into this, and, and we got to remember that once upon a time, before Ole's face turned, before Ole was high fiving the crowd, and you know he was hating that. You oh, know yeah. he was hating that. Yeah. But before that, Dusty Rhodes did say, Ole Anderson, this will never be over. And that came back to bite <laughs> him on the ass in 1980. Yeah. Ole and Dusty versus the Assassins in a cage with two special referees, Gene Anderson and Ivan Koloff. <laughs> well, Bobby, why don't you tell them what happened next, and then we'll discuss like how this place almost got burned down in the process. Shit. Take yeah, no problem. Well, everybody, yeah, I apologize. yeah, everybody in the ring started beating the shit out of Dusty, and Ole just kind of stood there and let it happen. Then yeah, I believe what yeah. Flair Flair came out and it looked like he was going to help Dusty yeah, at first. Yeah, he broke his leg. I know that. I just was drawing a blank when yeah. he asked me that. I'm like lost in space for a second. Yeah, they stretched him out, smashed his ankle. Yeah. From people who were there, apparently fans were trying to crawl over the cage and get in there. Right. They basically, I mean, they they locked those people in the cage to keep the crowd from getting to them. Right. There was yeah. damn near yes. a riot that night. 
a couple of the guys that come out about shirts on, I guess the police was trying to pull them off the cage too because they thought they was uh, they was the fans, I guess, and the boys are trying to protect the boys and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But everyone turned on Dusty, and of course, like I said, Flair comes in, they lay him out, and they break Dusty's leg. But yeah, I'm, I was just spaced out for a second there. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, Man. Ole Ole gave an interview with Gordon Soley the next week, and I, I believe what he, you know, I plotted and plotted for a year and a half to get rid of Dusty Rhodes was how part of that started. Yeah, and it just goddamn. Is there anybody more hated than Ollie Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> I think even today a lot of people must hate him. Yeah, I, I don't think know. So. I never worked for him or anything. I never was around him. But you see some of those interviews, he still looks like the angry old heel prick. You know, yes, he does. Um, that so. was that was not acting. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to number nine. You had a couple of these A's and B's, and I was like, what are we doing, subtexting and and subdivisions? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because there's a bunch of them on this one. Go ahead with it. This is going to be a fun one to try to delineate anything, but we're going to go Lawler and Dundee, Jerry the King Lawler versus Superstar Bill Dundee. But that's going to be 9A because 9B (laughs) is going to be Superstar Bill Dundee and Jerry Lawler. Right, right. More more yeah, flip flops than a beach good. in Southern California. <laughs> oh shit, that's good. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't even. I look back at different years. People, uh, Tex wrote about, uh, and at one text, he's Tex texted <laughs> that uh, and from Texas. No, uh, let's see. He said, "Which which Lawler? Which Lawler turned?" And I said, "We'll just have to work it out because there's you know Lawler turned eventually, and and when he went to WWE, uh, he turned you know all these different places and stuff. But Lawler has been just back and forth. Uh, uh, one of the great all time." Uh, performers if you will yeah. whether you be a baby face or a heel he just had showmanship but what we was talking about really i was like well that's just we're talking about back in the old memphis days because there they are supposed to be both baby faces and then lawler turns on the superstar dundee you know and and i guess they had real heat you know back and forth and then um then no sooner did they get back together over any given three to six months to a year period of time they start working together as baby faces again lawler i think at one point he broke his leg and his heel turn was over but then dundee turns on him you know he has a match with terry taylor and several others and you start seeing all of a sudden Dundee's now, uh, he's over as a baby face and he starts like everyone's out to get the short man, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he starts turning to where now he's turned on Lawler and it's just back and forth, man. Um, I don't know of one particular time because there's so many times it took place, but they drew money. That's the thing. They drew money. I think there was, from what everything I heard, especially on that documentary, uh, Memphis Heat, I guess there was real heat between them. Uh, to where they wouldn't even, uh, I knew they'd travel together. But they, if one of them was in one restaurant, they would not go in that restaurant. One of them used the gym. Uh, Lawler, they said, you know, went to the gym, but I mean, they wouldn't go to the same areas. If they drove by the liquor store, one of them was in there, the other wouldn't go in, you know, wow. just that kind of heat, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of animosity. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But they're making money the whole time. Well, you that's, know, they, yeah. They, but... they, they, you didn't have to like each other. No. Just had to fucking work together. Yeah, you don't got to be friends to do business. That is for right. sure. Yeah. And they did business whether one of them was a heel. Well, obviously, they did business when it's both baby faces on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of them working semi, one of them working main, and vice versa. And then when they both worked against each other uh, in the main, semi or main, but usually that was the main, they just made money, man. They made money, you know, drew, drew crowds, drew money. Yeah, but uh, it didn't matter if one was a heel or a face, or or both were faces or both heels. They just knew how to fucking work and and talk you in a building and work you in a building. Yeah, That's a good one, man. I mean, King and Superstar are apt names for the two of them. I mean, they really are. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, yeah, very true. And very um, true. as I was trying to explain this to uh, my lady friend, and she goes, "They're more on and off again than Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber." I thought that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty good. Oh, well, number uh, <laughs> number eight is a heel turn Oof. by uh, one man against an entire country, I guess, with that big heel turn, right? Yeah. Um, this would be Sergeant Slaughter heel turn back in the early 90s, I think is what we decided that was. He betrays America. He, he had been, at that point, he had been back and forth. He had been in WWF at the time before that, but he had, he had gone away and he was on the AWA and he was GI Joe, you know, yep. he was with the American Arrest Association. He was a top baby face. And, uh, when he returned, it just, uh, he, he came as an anti-American heel, you know, he had that gimmick where, um, 
uh, I guess it, he said uh, America had become soft uh, during the Cold War time and this and that. He just come back as a damn anti-American. Remember, I think it's about 80, 84, 85, he's out there trying to raise money for the damn uh, Statue of Liberty or something. I don't even know what year that was. And yeah. Again, G.I. Joe and cartoons and stuff. But here he is now out there. He's got the whole Iranian, Iraqian type uh, anti-American gimmick going. And you brought up a good point. At some point, the Sheik even come out with them. They'd had a feud back. And we talked about one of the greatest feuds uh, with one of the boot camp matches mm-hmm. with Sheik and and Slaughter. Here's Slaughter out there with Sheik out there as his manager. Some they're over, he's over putting up in uh, Saudi Hussein. You know, yeah, uh, he's out there putting him over, man. I guess his general ad ad name uh, was his uh, actual manager, but oh, Sheik was out there with him some too. Nikolai Volkov, and I mean they, you know, the whole Soviet thing. So they just as soon as he um, finished up with uh, Vol- Volkov, I guess uh, he, he wanted the Ultimate Warrior. I think he wanted Dusty um, or not Dusty. Hell, I don't know who I'm thinking, um, but I mean, hell, the slaughter turned against everyone. Well, yeah, and you know, he wanted Hogan. That's why I was getting a Hogan. Yeah, I, I said Dusty. Oh wait, I was no. No, 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 not he was going after the Ultimate Warrior. He got the point. Ultimate Warrior. He he went after the Ultimate Warrior, but eventually I think he wanted to try to go after Hogan, yeah. wasn't he? But I he he picked the title up off the Warrior. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um but the thing is, I mean, Slaughter was not a not foreign to playing a bad guy. He he was a bad guy drill instructor at one point, so I'm playing a heel was something he would do. But when you take a guy who literally has been on the G.I. Joe cartoon has a G.I. Joe action figure and has been pro-American for the last, well, his whole career, but has been a face pro-American blah, blah, blah character in a time when the foreign heel wasn't getting over anymore and you make him an anti-American heel and he's still got a G.I. Joe figure out there on the shelves, (laughs) nobody likes a fucking traitor, man. Nobody likes a traitor. And that's... uh... He also, that was a thing, I think it was when I said, I don't know why I said Dusty a while ago. Yeah, he got through Warrior, and he was uh, going after, uh, with Hogan there. He had that few, I think it was WrestleMania 7, but he was going to guess, I guess he was going to burn a flag. So instead of burning a flag, he went out there and burned a Hulk Hogan T-shirt and a, you know, very memorable uh, promo. Now, mm-hmm. that's not the promo I pulled up, but but that's a, that's a good one. The one I pulled up, he's out there with the Sheik, and the Sheik has a box for him, and he mumbles something and blah, 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 whatever, as a Sheik would do from time to time. <laughs> so he probably caught him a, a, you know, jabroni cocksucker, but he didn't. But anyway, he hands him a box, and, and basically Slaughter says he said that this is from Saddam Hussein. He opens it up, and he's got the... Uh, pair of his marine type uh, boots with the black and the green, and it's got a it's got the horn on it like the sheik used to wear the horn toes, yeah, like sheik and Abby and them used to wear, you know. And uh, I thought that was a pretty good promo there. Um, that's the one I pulled up and liked. Um, it's on YouTube. There's a shitload of them. Also, I used on that one. Um, Ring, ring the bell, I think it was, or something, Jeremy. Just some. I try to go outside the mainstream of. I like to see what other people say besides something that came from a corporate magazine or a corporate right. website. You know what I'm saying? And so they're just wrestling fans out there that write articles that I, you know, I like reading some of those. Uh, this was actually from the AbdominalStretch.com WordPress. I thought that was pretty good. Sergeant Slaughter turns his back on America. That was a good one to have at number um, eight there. Oh, that's so, a great one. Yeah, you know, and Bobby, like, we'll just talk about this real quick. But, yeah, very often when we get these topics, you and I go to do research, and all we find is, like, whatever in the WWE, and literally covers right. the last 12 years, and that's it. And we're, yeah. you and I are looking around going, okay, so pro wrestling has been around for 71 <laughs> years, <clears throat> but we can only find info about 10. That's yeah. fantastic. All right. WWE is not all of wrestling. I just want to point. Right. As a matter of fact, I've gone on the record saying WWE isn't actually wrestling. But <laughs> I digress. Hey, Bobby, you know what I like yeah. to do sometimes on the weekends when I'm just hanging out and got to find something to watch? I like to go to Amazon Prime. How about you? Oh, yes, I do. Um, I told you last week I watched Dolomite, uh, the original from 1975 on Prime. The new one did come out starring Eddie Murphy. He done a really good job on it. That's on Netflix. But I'm not here to promote Netflix. I'm here to promote <laughs> Amazon Prime. If you go to tinyurl.com uh, backslash BB, Try Prime. Guess what? You can get 30 days free trial 
the program gets a little bit of kickback from it, and we appreciate it very much. It puts a smile on Jeremy's face. Uh, he tells me, hey, we had a couple people try Prime for 30 days because there's no risk to you whatsoever. It's a great service. I wish I had it today. I would have ordered a futon probably, but it's tinyurl.com mm-hmm. backslash BB. Try Prime. If you go through that, it's just a couple more clicks is all it is. But again, the uh, program gets a, a couple cents kicked back to us, and we all come over smile, and you get a good service. Tell about some of those services on Prime, Jeremy. Well, with Amazon Prime, you get free two-day shipping. But in some markets these days, they've got that down to free same-day shipping. So that's an amazing thing to try out. You can get an Amazon Pantry. You can get groceries delivered. You can get uh, an entire library of video, so movies and TV shows and original programming, music. You have access to all sorts of music through Amazon Prime. Bobby, you know what else you can do with Amazon Prime? I have no idea. Tell me. You can get a futon through Amazon Prime. Ah, I should have used it today. Yeah. Son of a gun. That's right. There you go. So, yeah, it does, guys. You know, we do we do try to sell a few things to hopefully help offset the cost of the show. This this is one of those things you can do is go in through one of our links, try out Amazon Prime for, for uh, free for 30 days. We get a little bounty off of it. Like Bobby said, it does put a smile on my face. But you know what else puts a smile on my face, Bobby? <laughs> I don't- I don't know what. <laughs> Sucker punching a uh, tag team partner with a clothesline when he's not expecting it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like good our number seven. Just like our yes. number seven here. Paul, that was a good one. Yeah, Paul Orndorff versus Hulk Hogan. Mr. Wonderful turns on Hulk Hogan. And I, I'll say this. Some of the two big baby faces like that, great bodies. Paul, legit tough. Uh, on our YouTube channel, if you check it out, he's got like 160,000 views on that thing. I liked the vignettes back then on that. I'll say that. I thought Paul Orndorff tore it up for the setups with him and Hogan trying to train together, him and, and him going to the gym and just making that heel turn and cutting promos on people at the gym. Just to me, it had that believability. It seemed, it seemed real that, you know, hey, there's some serious animosity between Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, having this great body, you know, and doing all those things against Hulk Hogan, the top baby face in the company and in the world at that point. You know, you're like, uh, anyway, go ahead, Jeremy. That's number seven, Orndorff oh. Hogan. I think it's 1986. Yeah, and this is one of one of the earliest ones that really stood out to me, like one that I just, mm-hmm. when I saw it on TV, I was like shocked. I was just, you know, they, they were up against Bundy and Stud, right? Mm-hmm. who were both managed by, of course, the the great Bobby Heenan. And if I remember how it broke down correctly, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I think Bundy instead were just whipping the shit out of Hogan like a rented mule. And then Orndorff <laughs> comes in and tosses them out of the ring and then gets Hogan up to his feet and you know, holding his arm up like, hey, we won, and then just short arm clotheslines <laughs> him. And what I would say was one of the nastiest clotheslines I've ever seen in my life. Like Stan Hansen level nasty. Oh, jeez! And then hits yeah. him with that Orndorff, that picture perfect textbook, beautiful pile driver. Yeah. When he does that, man, I, I always said he, we've done top 10 wrestling moves to me. We've, we've done plenty of lists, but the top, the pile driver to me is just Paul Orndorff. He's one of the top three guys that do it. I always said that he, he even did that jumping one sometimes, mm. It, to me, it's the most devastating move in professional wrestling. That's just that's just me because I love that mentality of that that whole time period when it got outlawed and, yeah. and it's against the rules and things like that. But you got a big guy at that time, Hulk Hogan's like six seven, six eight, you know, legit three twenty. And of course, Arndor's a big, strong man. But you know, to put him in that position and pile drive that guy, jam his head down through that. You know, that's your former partner. You clothesline the fuck out. You pile drive him. That's just putting a stake in the heart, man, you know. Um, the beautiful pile drive, too. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. it was. Well, the clothesline was picture perfect. The pile drive was picture perfect. And, of course, Orndorff leaves the ring with, uh, well, he has them come in. He has Heenan, Stud, and Bundy come in, and they all just take a piece out of Hogan and then all leave together. Mm-hmm. And this is why you don't hog the spotlight when you're working with Paul Orndorff. <laughs> there you go, man. That's good. That's good, man. Oh, yeah. Because he is Mr. Wonderful. That's right. That's right. You know, he wears the oh, nicest man. robe, and you don't try to get out ahead of him. That's uh, that's really what that's we're saying right, there. Yeah. That's exactly right. 
Well, let's go up to number six here. I know this is a favorite of yours. I knew the year, but not like Jeremy did. He had a specific reason why he knew the year. I was guessing on one of two years. It's Baby Doll turns on Dusty Roads. And Jeremy, tell me what year it was and why you know that. <laughs> well, that was 1986, but now suddenly I can't remember why, what, what detail I used to hold on to it. Oh, you said something about the uh, magazines and the Playboy and the uh, mansion and something about her being the perfect 10. You know, you can't take, how do you say you can't oh, you, take the, you can, you can take the girl uh, out of the penthouse. It. You can take the girl out of the penthouse, yeah. but you can't take the penthouse out of the girl. See, Baby Doll go. got used to living a certain way, running around with the four horsemen. She got used to drinking right. Cristal and having limousines and the finest <laughs> stuff in life. And of course, Tolly, being that fucking prick that he was, got right. a little got a little rough with her. So Dusty had to smack the law down on Tolly, took Baby Doll under his wing. But yeah. um, I think Baby he tried Doll turned her into a real lady, you yeah. know. Sure. Uh, but like you said, and also that uh, well, she had a valet for 30 days or whatever it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had tried that. But you just like you said, man, uh, I wanted to bring this up real quickly, even though we're talking about baby doll turning on Dusty because he's trying to make her, you know, real lady or what have you. Well, as you mentioned, Tully Blanchard, the man, he's on our list. You got to go back and check out on our YouTube channel, the greatest heels of all time. You know, yep. that little sawed off. You just go. You, I know he's one of your favorites, man. We have some good stories about if you go back and uh, either pull up an old podcast or pull it up on YouTube there. We got a good stuff about. Um, uh, Tully. Tully. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, so Baby Doll turns on Dusty, man, in 86. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dusty was wrestling Flair. And I believe he goes for a pin, and Baby Doll puts Flair's leg up on the rope, and she's there as Dusty's valet or manager. Yeah, yeah. And then that doesn't go, but see, Dusty didn't see that, so he doesn't know what's up yet, you know. And then Dusty goes for the figure four, and then Baby Doll got what does she do? Pull his hand to the rope or something? But she got that hole broken, and this time Dusty saw it. And he knew the fix was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, yep. and that took St. Louis, Missouri. I'm just kind of going over my notes here. But, yeah, she uh, she helped Flair retain the NWA title. And, that, like you said, Dusty knew then, well, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He, he knew it was so. coming at that point. And, you know, Baby Doll was a fantastic – I mean, whether she was Andrea the Lady Giant or, you know, Baby Doll, whatever, she was great, yeah. especially as a heel. Just fantastic. Yeah. And that, yeah. that perfect ten. I love that. That's great, man. The perfect ten. That's a that's a good name. The perfect ten. Baby doll. Yeah. And how many, you know, I don't know. Nowadays you gotta be careful what you say, I guess, but back then that was just so over, man. You know, she's a real baby doll, you know. And then of course just a few years prior to that, you know, you had that movie the ten, you know, mm-hmm. uh, give her you know so uh, just one of those things where she is out there, she was perfect for that role, man. She's perfect for it. Yep. So Anyway, number, let's go back real quickly here. Number 10, Ole versus Dusty, 1980 in the cage. Ole turns, everyone beats the piss out of Dusty. Flares come in, they drop the leg, uh, break Dusty's leg. Uh, next one was the many times that Lawler turned heel and Dundee turned heel. They turned heel on each other, uh, all through the Memphis territory, you know, making money hand over fist. Number eight was Sergeant Slaughter. He basically turned his back on the entire country and, and, uh, that was a big, big heel turn, as we mentioned. Orndorff, we just finished up with power, uh, clotheslining and power driving the immortal Hulk Hogan, if you will. Uh, that was very shocking, Mr. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just now mentioned Baby Doll, the beautiful perfect 10 against the American Dream Dusty Rose, and she turns on it by helping Ric Flair. And there goes my mouthpiece and my earpiece, and I fell off on you. Sorry about that. Quite all uh, right. She, she helps the NWA NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair retain the title, man. And that's going to take us to our top five. And we got some really good ones in this top five, man. Um, and if I seem like I didn't do my homework, I apologize. I'm jumping all over the place today, it seems like. But I've got good notes as far as I know on our top five. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we know. Uh, so, did I miss anything? No, Jeremy? no, no. You covered that. And I do want to say we thought we were going in a different direction, but we realized the way we were going. <clears throat> for this week's show, we needed to do a little more research, and it's probably going to be Absolutely. a two or three episode deal to cover that one. Uh, mm-hmm. So this one we threw out last last night or the night before. So we uh, basically concluded our night before. Plus, we're recording a day early. Yep. Um, 
And I, again, so my first, the first five there, if I fucked up anything, I do apologize, but we've got a uh, really great idea between all three of us, uh, Tex, myself, and Jeremy, uh, a really good, we're going to have to probably do it over three segments, I think, the way we're going to do it, um, but we've got a, a good idea for a, a future podcast, and like Jeremy said, it was going to take a whole lot more research between all three of us. And we probably all three have different opinions as going to who's going to be on there mm-hmm. um, on what we're working on. So we are working on something big. But again, I'm not making excuses. I do know that usually I have another day to um, to prepare. And also, I, I was trying to go off the top of my head on those first five. These next ones all come. Again, I took them off my head, but also I had enough time to do research on these top five. So I'm hoping I come through in the second half of this podcast. Tag me out, Jeremy, please. Nope. Tell us about our number five and work us through it, buddy. Well, number five <laughs> is Mr. Wrestling and that amateur Magnum Terry Allen who couldn't quite yes. hold his shit together in a tag team match. That's right. 1984, Bobby. Why don't you tell them a little bit about yeah, what happened? Yeah, well, what happened was, like, uh, Mr. Wrestling kept seeing, he was getting a little bit jealous. You can kind of mm-hmm. see he's getting a little bit jealous about this up-and-comer, this young stud, uh, great body, could talk, had been an amateur wrestler, as the professor mentioned there, and was, was doing really good. And he just needed something a little bit more, maybe to get him over at, a little bit of an edge, to, to give him a little push, if you will. But they're in a match. It's Magnum. It's Mr. Wrestling number two and Magnum in a tag match against the greatest tag team in the world, as we've discussed before, the Midnight Express. Anyway, Wrestling 2 saw that T.A. was bloodied, uh, so uh, Wrestling 2 threw in a towel during a match that he was participating in. He kept seeing these little, I guess, weaknesses, if you will, of this big stud wrestler. Eventually, I think, the, I don't know if it was following week when it, this is again, folks, 1984-ish, it's Mid-South. Magnum was in a tournament for the TV title. Mr. Two, Mr. Wrestling number two saw the blood. I guess he threw a towel in and that eliminated Magnum TA from the title or a chance to win the promotion's TV title. I think I, I may have screwed up just a little bit, but yeah, they, they was, they was tagging against the Midnight Express. They were, they were both doing really well, but Wrestling 2 had been trying to really help him, but also that little bit of jealousy, a little bit of animosity. This guy's a little bit younger. And of course, two were at mask, but a little bit better looking or a whole lot better looking and a uh, great body and could wrestle and was going to get over. And this is what kind of pushed Magnum a little bit more as we as we all found out he got over huge. Yep. Uh, but this is kind of the start of his little bit of his first push, probably, if you will. Yeah, this uh, this is definitely where he came from. I mean, this was the big thing. Mr. Wrestling, I believe, cut him loose and left him high and dry against the uh, the Midnight Express is what happened there, right? Is that who it was? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. I was trying to – I knew he turned his back on him. I, yeah. didn't know, I think – I didn't know it was in the actual match, that one. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. But, um, yeah, Magnum uh, – you know, Magnum TA was going to be the Southern Hulk Hogan, basically. I mean, that's where he was headed. And this, this feud here, Mr. Wrestling 2 getting jealous – this is definitely what set that up. But Mr. Wrestling too, that was that was seen as a pretty big betrayal when he uh when he, you know, short shot at Magnum like that. Yeah. Well of course this all led pretty to shocking. Yeah. This led to Magnum taking the title, the North American title off of Mr. Wrestling Two, which was Magnum's first title win, first major title win at least. And if we're not mistaken, this all happened in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, we kinda come up with that uh best we could tell on that it was nineteen eighty four, yes, that's yeah. correct. So, all right, well, let's move on to number four, if you will. And I know you love this one, man. I do. Um, I, I do. knew the year, and then I forgot what the event, but then when you was telling me your notes, I was like, oh, yeah, that was that event. But this was, uh, uh, do you want me to tell you about, you want me to introduce it, and then you tell us, because I know this is right up your alley, or I've got good notes on this one, too, we talked about earlier. So it's up to you. Well, you was, just introduce yeah, it. Just, just introduce it's, it, and let's start talking. We had this one as, um, Michael Hayes versus, uh, and turns on Kerry Von Erich. And we started talking about a little bit more and we changed it to number four being, uh, the Freebirds versus the Von Erichs that turn in 1982 for world class championship wrestling. Uh, it started what become one of the most famous views in professional wrestling ever. But I will let Jeremy kind of uh, tell you a little bit more about it. Cause I know he, he gets all excited about this one. Yeah. I do too. But we talked about it off the air just a minute. And I was I like, give that one to Jeremy for sure, man. <laughs> oh yeah. This, well, this is Christmas night, 1982, Carrie Von Eric versus Ric Flair in a cage with Michael PS Hayes as a special referee. See, Flair had made a career out of ducking Von Erichs pretty much full-time for the last two years, at least in Texas. 
And now Kerry got him. He's got him in a cage. He's going to have him his way, man. And, uh, you know, Ric Flair's kind of chicken shitting him here and there. And Michael P.S. Hayes is a special ref. He gets tired of that pretty quickly. So he knocks Ric Flair out and tells Kerry to go for the pin. <laughs> but, you know, Kerry, being the, uh, the, the white bread kind of, you know, all American boy, he's not going to do that. All American, yep. Yep. He's exactly. not going to do that. So Michael P.S. Hayes has enough of his shit. He bounces. Kerry goes to leave the ring, and bam, bam, Terry Gordy fucking thumps him right yes. in the face with the cage door, sending Kerry to yeah, the ground. Man. Yep. Cost, cost him the title, mm-hmm. and it triggered the legendary feud between a Freebirds and a Von Erichs, man. Uh, shocking. Hell, it's Michael P.S. Hayes, man. It's the Freebirds. But at that time, uh, they were all getting along so good that, you know, this guy's going to fucking be the special referee when Kerry gets his world title shot of the, from the national heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. I mean, that's how much he trusted the guy with his big, you know, buildup. And he, hey, he's, a, he's one of us. He's down here working at world class championship wrestling. The champ's coming through and I'm going to get that title and to secure that, that, that no one's going to interfere. Uh, bother me, uh, no disqualification, whatever it may be. We're going to get in a cage and one of the Texas boys, uh, uh, with PS Hayes there, Michael Hayes, you know, the, one of their guys, if you will, mm-hmm. having his back. And then, of course, like you said, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do the little things because he, he was the all American boy. He's not taking any shortcuts. That's right. And the free birds, they, uh, like I said, uh, Carrie, uh, the funniest thing to me was Carrie, the picture of Carrie with the, uh, the milk carton and, and Michael <laughs> Hayes with the fucking uh, whiskey bottle, you know, Jack Daniels bottle, you know. But they're both all-American type at that particular point before they started that feud, man. And Gordy come in and smashing his fucking head in that cage. It's like, oh, man, we've talked about that feud before on other mm-hmm. podcasts. That's a good one, man, number four right there. Oh, that's a great one. Jeez. You know, I think what the Von Erichs yeah. might have forgotten is that, yeah, the Freebirds were working in Texas, but they're from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, one of theirs being a WCCW crew. Oh, no, 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 I know that. But I'm see, yeah, I'm thinking okay. Kerry came I'm up glad short. I'm cleared that up, though. But yeah. yeah, I'm thinking Kerry came up short because he's thinking, oh, yeah, you know, they're one of us. But, you know, Flair, he yeah. wrestled out of Georgia. Freebirds, they're out of Georgia. Von Erichs, eh, you know, not willing to play that Georgia game, I guess, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great one, though. Yeah, and, and you know, that Von Erich Freebird uh, feud. They chased that thing for the next decade. You know, yes. they we tried talk- to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about the off the air. They, uh, Jeremy said probably about the next 10 years, probably. And I think you figured up it, it may have actually been 11 because I guess it, uh, they, I guess it officially ended when uh, they had a memorial show, I guess, for Carrie in like 1983 or something. So this thing went on forever, folks. Yeah. That's <laughs> to try it. to chase that down, man. Yeah. And follow that up. You know, <clears> absolutely. Hey, Bobby, um, I yes. understand not only are you a pro wrestler, a pro wrestling consultant, podcast host, a YouTube host, but you're also an author. Yes, that's correct. I've got two books out there, and I'll tell you how you can get them. They're on Amazon. But I'm going to tell you an easier way to get them if you can help sponsor the program a little bit because a little bit because each and every week we try to use the books to to sponsor the podcast and we also use the podcast to promote the books. So I've got uh, my first book that come out is called Pin Me Pay Me Have Boost Will Travel. You can get that book by clicking tinyurl.com backslash blaze book one. It's that simple, folks. Also, you can get my second book. It's called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. You can get that by going to tinyurl.com backslash blaze book two. Again, those that's just take you right to Amazon. It's just one extra click. It's tinyurl.com blaze book one, tinyurl.com backslash blaze book two. It takes you right to the Amazon page. But what happens is, is once again, the professor over there gets a big smile on his face because the, the show gets a few cents, a little bit kickback from the sale of a book. I get a little bit because I get a little bit of kickback from the book sales. Um, and right now, you know, the, it's a good time of year to buy one because the time you hear this is going to be almost uh, uh, Halloween. And shortly after Thanksgiving, uh, Halloween, you got Thanksgiving, then Christmas. So now's a good time to be buying your Christmas present. If you already haven't started, do so now by clicking tinyrail.com backslash blazebook1. That's for pin me, pay me. If you want, I kicked out on two. The second book, just go to tinyrail.com backslash blazebook2. How's that, Professor? That is fantastic. Everybody, if you have not read his books, go ahead, grab a copy. If you have read them, 
buy them for somebody who hasn't. If everybody you know has read it, then buy a copy and donate it to your local library. Yes, that's a great idea. We talked about that last week. Yeah. I appreciate that. I do believe it is now available. My second, my first book was available uh, up for the last couple of years at the local Boyd County Library here in Kentucky at the Ashland Branch. Now, I kicked out on two, the Education Wrestler. As far as I know, it went live yesterday at the Ashland Public Library as part of the Boyd County Library System. There's three libraries in this immediate area. They do have interlibrary exchange and loans. So if you if you know if you live in this area, uh, go down there and check it out one day. If you don't, order one. Go to tinyrl.com backslash blazebook1 or blazebook2. Order one and donate to your local library, wherever you may, wherever you may be listening to this program. That's what I was trying to spit out there. Yep. Well, you did a fine job. Yes, Bobby, it does put a smile on my face when people buy a copy of your book. But you know what else puts a smile on my face? Uh, I'm hoping that when they leave a review. Uh, oh, yeah, that too. Okay, but you know what else puts a smile on my face? <laughs> No, you tell me, man. Well, I'm, I'm what? That would be hitting my mentor over the head with a wooden chair. Ah! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You already jumped to number three. I thought we were still in ad mode. Wow. Okay. My, I need hitting half a chair, damn it. Oh, wait a minute. I already had – no, I don't. I've had enough of those. See, yeah. Okay. It's number three. Go ahead. What was you getting at well, there? Was, number three. That was a shocking swerve is what that was as my shocking heel turn continues. Number yes. three. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Headshot. That's right. Number three is the new living legend, Larry Zabisco, versus the living legend, Bruno Sammartino. The yeah. great Bruno Sammartino. Yes. The student turns against a teacher, if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bruno was in retirement. And uh, Zabisco, of course, that he had begged him, I guess, for about five or six years when he was younger for Bruno Sammartino to train him. And uh, I think he told him, you need to, you know, go to school, finish high school, go to college, whatever you need to do. You're not ready yet, you know. So this went on because um, this was in Pittsburgh. And I guess eventually what happened, Zabisco did it. He went and finished his uh, college degree, comes back, true man to his word. Sam Martino trains him, helps him get into breaking into the, prep in the professional wrestling business in around 1970 or so. Well, here it is 10 years later, man. And, uh, Zabisco's trying to get, hey, come on, come out of retirement, come and wrestle, come and wrestle. And the fans aren't really, I don't think they're really on board with it right away until they're having a, a television match as an exhibition. He just said, look, I know, you know, I just want you to just do an exhibition, just come out of retirement, if you will. So they're having an exhibition on WWF TV back in the day, and Zabisco, I guess, is uh, he's getting a little bit pissed off, a little bit frustrated. You know, Sam Martino's not the old man he thought he was. He's he's holding his own, and he's doing this and doing that, and he breaks a wooden chair over his head, so it sets up for a big, huge match that is so big that they know they can't hold it in Madison Square Garden, so they have the show, a super show. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on a name, Jeremy, but they have it. They draw about 40,000 fans. Now I've heard 60,000. I've heard 70,000. 70,000, but I think the most accurate I've read is about 40,000 fans, and it was, uh, at this point in wrestling, it was probably the single greatest heel turn in professional wrestling yeah. history. Probably one of the most forgotten. You know, my little brother and I just recently were talking about why Zabisco went with WCW instead of the WWF when AWA finally shuttered, and we were trying to remember if anybody in the WWF would even remember him, and neither one of us remembered about this at that moment. Neither one of us. Really? And, okay. And that means that it sits somewhere below the, the conscious because between me and my brother, we know the most vague and stupid shit about wrestling. And when both <laughs> of us forget the same yeah. thing at the same time, that means it's, it's pretty quiet in people's uh, zeitgeist, you know. But, yeah. yeah, this was one of the biggest turns ever. I mean, first off, you know, sucker punching a retired Bruno San Martino, even during his weird uh, Afro perm phase. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. And Zabisco, I don't know, man. Zabisco played a hell of a heel. He really did. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I did, Jeremy. We was talking about websites. Or I, I'll give credit where credit's due. I went to uh, another person. It's called Ring the Damn Bell. Mm-hmm. At, uh, dot WordPress and this person here is obviously a fan and that that's what they titled it, it was like the uh, greatest wrestling angle that time forgot you know and uh, basically it talked about how he just suckered him out of you know the stage was set for Bruno uh, just he just want to interview his protege he didn't want to wrestle him he just kind of he kind of brushed him off like he did when he was going to train him you know and then like you said Zabisco finally agrees to the interview and uh, you know he's been in a shadow just do an just just let's just have an exhibition match if you will and boom uh 
you know, he blasts them in the back of the head, like we mentioned, uh, across the head, bloodies them uh, to where they have to have this huge match. It was, um, it was a W. Yeah, it was called a Super Show. That's what it was called, if I'm not mistaken. It says that's all. This article says the WWF Super Show, and it also featured several other people. One of which we're going to mention. Two of which we're going to mention here in just a moment. I just I didn't know how he was going to get that in there. Is that is that is that a good little setup there, Jim, Jeremy, for a segue or not? I think so. I that, think that match that took place in front of again. This article says forty thousand. That's about the most accurate I could find um, between Bruno and uh, the heel turn, the shocking heel turn of Zary Zabisco on his mentor and trainer. Um, and that'd be like me hitting Malenko. There's no way. He'd still no. beat my ass. <laughs> you could hit the old man and have the chair. You got up and whoop my ass anyway. Uh, so no way, man. But, um, yeah, that's where I got that from, uh, ringthedamnbell.com. Uh, and uh, I really like getting them outside articles from wrestling fans like you and myself. But, anyway, that super show, Jeremy, it has some other performers on there. And uh, I – it could be a couple guys we're getting ready to mention. You want to go to number two, or you well, want to talk about that some more? No, you know what? We'll go to number two, and then we, when we pass number one, we'll we'll bring that back up. Uh, but real quick, okay. before we go to two, I want to say I believe the Super Show you're talking about was at Shea Stadium. Yes, yes, yeah. at Shea Stadium. Um, all right, um, well, number two, and this this is one that you know I watched this on Saturday morning as a, as a youngster, and I do remember it being quite shocking at the time. And that is Andre the Giant demanding a world title shot against Hulk Hogan out of nowhere, <laughs> joining with Bobby Heenan. Boy, yes. we, we sure come up with his name a lot in this list, don't we? Bobby? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Bobby Heenan. Ooh. Man, this might be on a something there. Yeah. Well, okay. uh, it was at Piper's, so Piper's Pit. Pit. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And Andre... And you really, when you see Andre next to a man who is six and a half feet tall, 320 pounds, and Andre is towering above him and his hands still look bigger than that man's head. Oh, yeah. You yeah. get a sense of just how goddamn big Andre was. And Andre was, what, 520 yeah. pounds at this point in his life? <clears throat> oh, probably. Yeah. Drives Hogan to the ground, grabs his shirt and his crucifix, ripping them both off of him. And on in the process, I do remember this because this was kind of odd to see. When he grabbed the cross, the cross actually stabbed Hogan in the chest and drew a line. So Hogan was bleeding at the end of this, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was doing some research on this one here, there were several people that said, uh, first of all, there was a, a fan to, to kind of talk about what Jeremy's talking about when we go back and look up some of these the WW, it all goes back to WWF type thing. They had done a poll, and this was number five on their shocking moments. Now, how the fuck Andre the Giant turns on Hawk Hogan is the number five most shopping, shocking, you know, turn, heel turn or whatever? No. You know, we're talking, you know, hey, this is big. This is Andre the Giant who had been worldwide famous wrestling uh, a, a, a legend, an icon, if you will, like we talked about that word, Jeremy, uh, last week. Um, and he has been a baby face his entire time, man, from movies and TV shows just to the wrestling. Everyone knew him. They did legendary drinking, uh, just uh, eating everything, okay? And, you know, he's out there with Hogan. He's demanding, you know, hey, I want a title shot. And tell him, you know, get your hand off my shoulder, you know, and that thing. And you look at me when I'm talking to you. And I wanted to, uh, I'm not trying to just say anyone else's words, but, uh, Bruce Pritchard was on one of these shows and he said, I can't believe that's number five. So he must not have been the company when he was doing this interview, but he said, I can't believe that's number five. He said, that's probably number one, number two at the, at the worst. And then Kevin Saul was on there and he said, man, it's like Dracula. You know, he's just, Stabbing, stabbing Christ in the heart with the with the crucifix, if you will. Yep. Uh, and he said, "Man, this has got to be number one." He could I can only think of one other turn that might be bigger than this. He said, "But in my mind, I doubt it." And that's Sullivan. And I'll tell you why I'm gonna say that in just a minute when we get to our number one turn. Uh, unless you may go ahead and turn it into it right now and, and, and tell you what it was, Jeremy. What do you want to do? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, Sullivan saying it has a reason. Let's go ahead and roll right with it. Let's go to the okay. next one right off. Yeah, that. in July of 1996, the biggest baby face in the history of professional wrestling turns heel. Hogan turns heel, man. And that was a tie, and I heard firsthand from Kevin Sullivan. 
uh, uh, going back to tying the Dusty thing, or excuse me, God, why do I keep saying Dusty? Andre uh, turning, he said that should be number one. He could only think, and again, this is on, on YouTube, he said, I, I could only think of one that might be bigger or more shocking, and that was this here, but it took it, Kevin Sullivan's mind that's the one that helped. He's the one that planted the seed with Hawk Hogan saying, Hawkster, you got to turn. Now's the time. You got to turn. And of course, uh, I think it took several months to work this out, the details. But, um, you know, Hogan finally turns heel. He drops the leg on Savage and joins the NWO, man. That's got to be the most shocking, uh, heel turn of all time in professional wrestling. And, that followed a good pace of the story there, Jeremy, tying both number two and number one together. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I wanted to say real quick when they were doing the Andre, when Andre got his title match against Hogan, they went ahead and made a title belt to fit Andre just in case. There you go. Because you didn't know if he was going to do it or not. Yep. If, if he decided to not do the job, right. there, there was no way to stop him. There was well, no way to stop him. Um, it just speaks to what a pro guys like him, Sam Martino, these other guys. Andre did the job like he was supposed to. Sam Martino would not take a clean win over Zabisco to keep Zabisco strong, knowing that his career had to go forward after yeah. they did their bit. It just speaks to what pros those guys were. Yeah, and I was going to tie in also on that uh, super show that they done back at Shea Stadium. We was just talking about for number three for Zabisco, Sam Martino. Uh, on air... One of the undercard matches they had, they had uh, Andre the Giant as a babyface against a young Hulk Hogan as a heel way back in 1980. And so here we are talking all the way up to 1987 uh, of Andre turning on on the Hawkster there. And then of course uh, the buildup for at WrestleMania three was so huge. And like you said, it, and it's been everywhere as far as as passing the torch. Everyone knew Andre went out there and, and did the right thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, again. The biggest baby face Hawkster's in there, you know, teared up and this and that. And then just a few years later, I know it jumps the timeline here, but still over huge, biggest professional wrestling star in the world at that time. Uh, because the Monday Night War is just now getting ready to start. They need something really, really strong. It's, it's, it's going on. You know what I'm saying? Everything is just so strong back in those days as far as what WWF and WCW had. And then the Hawkster, you had, you, if you're watching it, he turns the biggest baby face. He turns heel, man. That's just, man, you know, and he, and he, of course, so all those guys though came from WWF. Now they're over there doing the New World Order deal, you know, and that's just huge, man. Just, 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 during that time period. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. I'm just, it's just, we, we had some shocking moments. This is, Again, the Andre one was pretty pretty big, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say, okay, Hogan turning heel because he was the biggest baby face ever. Well, yeah. Probably the most shocking. Well, yeah, and people might point out, oh, you know, Hogan was a heel when he started. Yeah, and nobody knew who the fuck he was. It doesn't right. it doesn't count, you know. Um, Hulk Hogan yeah. was not the, the incredible Hulk Hogan, the immortal Hulk Hogan, until, you know, his title went over the Sheik, you know, his, his long yeah. run as WWF champion. His jumping ship to WCW. Well, that, yeah. Yeah. That's another thing, too, they talked about is they, Andre and, and Hogan had worked together before. You know, I could mention that Shea Stadium story way back when. But see, the believability of the, of the power of that TV, they build up for that was they never had wrestled each other. They, they was now, you know, he, he's demanding that title shot and this and that. That's the power of that TV that the fans believe so much. And that's good. That's, that's what you want. You want that believability. Unlike what we talked about last week where, you know, you don't, you can't, you can't suspend your belief for a while because they went over the edge too much. But this here, it was all believable that, you know what? Andre the Giant is, is, he finally wants a title shot. And then the next one, Hogan, and he turns on him. And then Hogan, uh, you know, leaves WWF, whatever, and he's in WCW, and he's on air. And not only is it the baby face that you remember, now he's he's the Hulk, the Hulkamania, the Hollywood Hogan. You know, yeah. that transition is, you know what, pretty much fuck you all. I'm going with what's new, and that's the new world order, you know. Pretty shocking. Yeah, you no, know, it absolutely was. I remember watching it when he was coming to the ring, and Bobby Heenan kind of tipped the hat a little bit, I think. I don't know if he was supposed to or not, but as Hogan was coming out, Heenan goes, but whose side is he on? And that's when all of a sudden my <laughs> yeah. brain just like came to a grinding halt. The gears just stopped yeah. spinning. And I was like, I looked at my brother, and I said, he's going to turn on him. And then we were both nice. just like staring at the TV after that, and that leg drop, when he hit Macho Man with that leg drop, 
<laughs> and I had never seen, uh, you know, it became commonplace after this, but I had never seen that much shit thrown in a ring <laughs> by the fans at any point yeah. in my life. And this was, you know, live on pay-per-view at that moment. Just people pelting beer cans and soda cups and fucking everything was just going into the ring. I am surprised that is not one of those nights where people stormed the ring. I'm literally shocked by that because we did see it again later at the NWO, the, those guys having to kick the shit out of people trying to get into the ring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know either, but anyway. Uh, all right, man, that sums up top ten most shocking heel turns in professional wrestling history. I think we had a good top ten. What do you think? I think we had a great top ten. Um, I th- This was a lot of fun to do, too, because it, it made me rack my brain a little bit trying to think of times, you know, what was the most despicable heel turn you had seen? I had a blast, Bobby. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I, I'm glad you came up with this subject. I know, um, again, I apologize where I, I wasn't as prepared as I normally am. Uh, I just blame it on myself, man. And uh, I hope you still enjoyed the podcast, though. And again, thanks for taking the time. You sent me some really good ones, some good ideas. I had some ideas off memory. Then text sent some. We tied them all together. And I think we just had a really, really good top ten. And I hope the fans enjoyed it as much as I did. I just wish I'd have been a little bit more on on the first five. I just uh, yeah. just hanging there you know just uh been a little bit tough this week and and um no excuses or anything but um i i do appreciate you uh coming up with this top 10 list and i do appreciate the podcast man yeah absolutely and guys if you've never seen some of these go ahead jump on daily motion youtube all those all those internet sites out there that have video they're really some of these things that's the only place you can find them anymore uh, quite literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get out there, check them out. It's definitely, if you are a wrestling fan, but you don't know these events, you need to go find them. Bobby, anything else to say before we wrap up? And any, any oh, hints, man. Any Just, hints we uh, want to drop about maybe what we're going to do next week? Um, I don't know if it'll be next week, though. That's the thing. Oh, that's a good uh, point. We, well, you know what? We, we have an idea. That we're, it could go several ways, but basically I used the word icon with just a few people in this professional wrestling program. And I said it today with Andre. Um, I've used it with a couple others, uh, about three or four that I know I've used that word on it. So we kicked around the idea, uh, and text was involved in this eventually too. Once we, the first idea came out, we were going to do like kind of, um, top five icons of professional wrestling. Well, maybe our first three might be the same, but maybe Jeremy has four or five that's different than my four or five. And then Tex might have had, a, you know, a different three or four. But anyway, we decided that I think it's what we decided. Again, it's still kind of in work. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. But the way we're going to do it, we're each going to have our own list, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Jeremy? Um, I, uh, to some extent, there's going to be some lag over on it. Yeah. Because we all may have the first four. We, we all might agree that these four. So anyway, then we're going to do it by errors also. I think we're going to do uh, uh, 60 to 70s, 70s to 80s, 80s through 90s, and 90s to 2000. Is that correct? Um, we're going to do like four lists, I think. 16 names maybe. Um, I can't see. That's why it's in the works. But, yeah, there's your teaser. I don't know if that's teasing you people enough. But uh, we're going to do some icons or a Mount Rushmore professional wrestling kind of broken down by era, if you will, and also by majority vote, I guess, on who gets this between, you know, Jeremy, myself, uh, uh, professor, or excuse me, uh, Tex, and also the fans too, you know, who, who would be on that? Who would you use the word icon for? You know, that, that's all I'm trying to get at. I'm, I'm having a hard time today, Jeremy, as you can tell, yeah. and I haven't had a drink. I'll tell you that right now. Well, that's, that's probably uh, it's the just, problem. I've had a, I've had a, it probably is. I made this. It is Saturday instead of Sunday. So, uh, mm-hmm. and it is getting a little bit later in the day than what we normally record at. But I, again, that might, hell, that might be the problem. I might need a drink, Jeremy. Yeah, I don't that's... know. But no, I'm not drinking or anything today. Uh, I just had a lot going on this week. And, um, anyway, um, everything's good. Everything's good. I'll say that. And like I always say every week, man, people, please take care of yourself out there. Take care of each other. Show some love for each other, man. Man, I tell you what, I'm so grateful for the things I do have, and I'm very appreciative. I'm appreciative of Jeremy's friendship. I'm appreciative of all the fans that listen to the podcast, and I'm appreciative of the podcast. So I'll just kind of blow it out on that, and I, I appreciate just, you know, having an opportunity to get out here and talk about professional wrestling and having a good time. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, 
you know, Bobby, thank you for joining us. Uh, I always appreciate when we have time to do this and, you know, when our schedules are kind of goofy and we got to jump around, I know it makes it a bigger pain in the ass. But fortunately, we decided to do it on a Saturday instead of, oh, we'll do it later this week because we know what happens. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's it for me, brother. All right. Well, you know, uh, everybody out there, all you humanoids in our internet wrestling listening crowd, it's been our pleasure to put this show on for you, but it's been a bigger pleasure for you to listen to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Bye-bye, everybody.